Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. This week's episode focuses on payments in Canada. Cyril Sharon, Managing Director for North and Latin America at RFI Group, shares the global trends in the payment space and how these compare to those in the Canadian market, opportunities and threats for both banks and fintechs in this space, and the data behind the biggest barriers and drivers for consumer uptake and usage of mobile wallets. Chloe James here for the Global Digital Banker podcast, sitting with Cyril Sharon, Siri, Managing Director of North and Latin America for RFI Group. Siri, how are you? Good, and how are you, Chloe? I'm good. Today we are talking about payments, which yeah. is a massive trend booming in the world at the moment. We're going to talk global and then we're going to talk Canada and the US as well. With the preface that we've been involved in so much lately, with the main global trends that we're really seeing at the moment with RFI Group's research in the payment space. I know I want to talk about US and Canada, but I just want to talk about global as well, looking at the different studies we've been doing. We know we have one which was called the Global Digital Banking. We look at 10 countries. US and Canada are part of it. And what we've been seeing is that at the global level, cash remains king, right? So I go on conference and say, who is having cash in their pocket? It could be $1, it could be $100, cash is still, you know, it's still around. But credit and debit card usage has overtaken traditional payments now when we look at our data and across most markets. Uh, but in US and Canada, papers, so it's cash and check, it's still mainly widely used in those two countries, right? However, consumers are expecting to rely less in cash. We've been seeing that in our data, then where cash usage starts to the willingness to use cash starts to decrease and the willingness to use cards, debit or credit starts to increase. This is especially true among millennials where we see the numbers being lower in terms of cash usage and higher in terms of willingness to see a cashless society or using other type of payments. We are talking about one in two millennials saying that they could see a cashless society in the future versus around 40% at the global level. Something else to mention in the way consumers send money between each other, this is something that is changing. At the global level, many still rely on cash. It's still, you know, one of the top methods that are being used. But the usage of electronic payments, including online banking or third-party apps, is growing. And this is different among countries. Now we compare Asia versus, you know, Canada and US, but this is still something that we, we are seeing. In Canada, it's important to mention that Interact e-transfer uh, has been around for a while now, and we saw a peak in usage in the last 12 months. And this is really due to all the new features Interact launched and um, the market in order to compete with those apps. In the US, we saw the proliferation of third-party apps, I'm talking about the Venmo and those type of apps like that, mm-hmm. are really affecting the way people send money to each other, and especially among, among millennials. Mm. I mean, it's really interesting, the cash is king conversation. I just bought my lunch and still had to pay cash, cash only. So, you know, it is around. And, and, and as you say, we see that at conferences all over the world. But interesting to hear what Interact is doing there and some of the successes they've had with those new features that they've brought out. This really brings us into that fintech conversation then. And again, fintech versus traditional payment players. Where's the opportunity? Where's the threat? Where's that sort of situation standing where we are now mid-2018? Yeah, that's the question that we already now look at. And this is something that we really look at the usage of fintechs and those digital only providers. We really look at it in all our service, could be consumers, could be, you know, businesses in every different angle. 
What we're seeing is that the usage of fintech is different from different countries, right? Asian countries, way different, you know, behaviors leading the pack compared to, you know, when we're looking in our markets. We also see a lot of activities in the U.S., while the usage in Canada, it's a little bit lower. So the usage of fintech and digital-only providers, first of all, are higher especially in our markets, in the payment space. Well, it's true globally, but we see that higher in the payment space than any other banking activities. At the global level, we are talking about 64% of consumers being comfortable using a fintech or digital-only providers for their payment needs. So not something that is insignificant. It's obviously higher among millennials. Again, you can see what we just talked about in trends, but this is something we're seeing across all age groups. To go back to Canada, I just said that the, the usage is lower with fintechs. It's not a country that is not interested in those players. It's a country that at this stage, as I was talking earlier, we're talking about Interact. It's pretty good. It's been, you know, Canadians are pretty happy. It's been around for a while. They're kind of giving them, you know, all the features that they need in order to send payment, to request payment. It's kind of pretty used among most all the banks. So it's something that has been around for a while. And Canadians are pretty happy with these services. Mm. Something about the contactless usage that is important to mention, because this is where also those new payments, you know, uh, players, sorry, are coming to play. So contactless usage could be cards or mobile is growing, right? Especially when you combine together, it's growing globally. But you know that the countries where card uh, is already, you know, contactless and really widely used, the usage of mobile wallet, it's being low, like pretty low, instead of not really seeing the need for that. However, we can see that the appetite among millennials for new payment system is definitely growing. So I still believe that there's an opportunity for mobile wallets, you know, overall. You just need mm. to define what it is, how it is, and rethinking a little bit the concept per different countries. Mm, mobile, I mean, mobile wallets is a really interesting one when we think about getting consumers onto the mobile wallet. What's it going to take? What are the biggest barriers as to why people don't have a mobile wallet and what's going to be the driver to go, I really need that? That's a pretty tough one that we are trying to always answer. So as I said, the difference per countries, where the level is at in terms of all these payment systems. If we focus on Canada and US, so when we looked at consumers or when we looked at merchants, because we also interview merchants to understand what they need and all the payments they accept, our studies find that Three things are really key, which is security, reliability, and acceptance. Could be for the first use, you know, like really trying to convert them or paying or accepting or looking at increased frequency of use, right? So for those three things, educations and reassurance are key, especially to overcome security and reliability. But it's clear that there is a way to educate the market, which is in terms of, of acceptance. When we talk to consumers, they believe that the merchant don't accept such type of payments. They go and say, it's not written anywhere, I'm not too sure, I know that I can accept, I recognize the sign for contactless, I put my card. I'm talk still talking about many for Canada. So they also believe that not all wallets are accepted. There is this difference between bank wallet and third-party provider wallet. So when they go and say, do you accept Apple Pay or do you accept Google Pay? They don't say, do you accept mobile wallet? Because this is not something that they say in their everyday language. So mm -hmm. this is kind of an education coming here. Just to give you an example, millennials are the ones who are more likely to know what's happening, we can say. They think that third-party wallets are more widely accepted than bank wallets. We are talking about 41% saying for third-party wallets. 
versus 28% for bank wallets. So mm. really a big difference between the two. So is that an education piece on the bank's part? It's, it's an education about everything because the other side, it's so the merchants. When we talk to merchants, mm. they also don't know that mm. they can accept the mobile wallets because the front staff don't know about it. So when they go, they don't know that the terminal can accept or not accept it. They just know that at the end of giving something, they need to receive payments, yes. right? So they're not educated on how the terminal works. Mm. And usually the account manager that is selling, you know, the payments acceptance facilities, they talk to another account manager. They don't talk to the front staff. So it's an education more global to explain. Mm. And just to give an example, I always give around. Like when I walk around in Toronto, I saw sometimes we accept... Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and Apple Pay. Mm. It's like even the industry, like they don't know what to use and how to use it. Mm. So I really, really to answer your question. It's an education to everything, the whole market, the consumers, the merchants, inside the retailers, and maybe inside the banks as well, to yeah. see how we call it. And as you say, every level of the retailer, because it needs exactly. that person who's actually at that register as you say, making the sale and, and receiving the payment. If they don't know how to receive it or the different ways that you can, then it's never going to happen and take off. Exactly. Mm, it's a really interesting piece. Yeah. Great global trends there. We've got some really exciting times coming up. Thank you, Chloe. Next, we catch up with Lisa Lansdowne Higgins, VP Business Deposits and Treasury Solutions at RBC, who explains the changing customer needs around payments and the reasons behind them the work RBC are doing in terms of real-time payments, and the impact of blockchain on correspondent banking and international transfers. It's my pleasure to sit down with RBC's Lisa Lansdowne-Higgins. Lisa, I just wanted to get your views to kick off the conversation by asking a broad question. In terms of what do you see as the changing customer needs when it comes to payments in Canada? Well, I think there's never been a better time to be in payments in Canada. It's such an exciting change that's in front of us. And I would say that as I look at customer needs, especially being on the commercial side of the bank, for me, you know, hands down, it's in that commercial B2B, B2C, that very sweet spot of change that is in front of us. We look at what's happened in the retail space around payments and digital and seamless and, and client experience. And now it's about bringing that to the forefront on the commercial side. And I think customers are looking for a new experience and how it is that we more engage around what it is that they're doing in their their day-to-day -day business versus an execution of a payment. Now, one of the themes from Sarbos is, of course, real-time payments. And I was speaking to Payments Canada earlier this week about the initiatives they're doing. I just wanted to see you and what you're doing in this area. When I think of modernization in Canada and working very closely with Payments Canada around real-time payments, you know, it was really interesting for us at RBC is what we wanted to do when we were first presented with this as an opportunity is what we, we look globally. We wanted to see what were some of the other best practices. What had they learned from it? Where had they actually been able to gain traction and momentum? And so when we look globally, one of the things that was very interesting is that when we reflected in our own country is that we actually had been quite innovative. The concepts of interact in a, a near real-time payment capability really didn't exist in the other geographies. And so they actually had a way that they needed to leapfrog forward. We actually had something that was already there, fairly viable in our country. So now when we think about 
real-time payments. It's about investing in those things that we've already done. It's about using that muscle of collaboration, partnering very closely with the likes of Payments Canada. And we're really thinking about now, what, what, what do we need next? Data. And how do we look at extending data into real-time payments? Because for me, in that commercial space that I talked about, that's the sweet spot. That's the game changer. And with data coming through on a real-time payment, I think you can start to really figure out how the business market will shift. Well, Lisa, on that point of the sweet spot, um, what sort of specific opportunities do you see flowing from real-time payments for the business? No, absolutely. I think solving long-term problems, reconciliation. How does it look in the exchange of payments from a business perspective? You know, we still have a high usage of checks in the commercial or in the corporate space. And the reason we do is because of that very precious data that's underneath it. So being able to get more predictive and use AI tools along with the data around cash flow, working capital, driving a solution-based capability that's real-time for transparency and bringing that to the customers so they can make informed decisions. And then you wrap around that safety, soundness, and making sure that we have the assurity and the settlement mechanisms needed to be able to support a real-time investment. Okay, and finally, Lisa, if we can move beyond real-time payments, another big thing is, of course, blockchain. I bet you get to get your views on the impact of this sort of innovation on correspondent banking and international transfers. No, I think that is such a great topic. And it's funny, I think last year at Cybos, while we were here, the one thing was that we'd actually moved out of proof of concepts as an industry into actually standing up blockchains. And we are starting to see elements of that. Even this year, we've seen multiple announcements and press releases around blockchain. I believe it's complementary. I think the blockchain as a technology and as a solution that it enables the infrastructure change that we need as an industry is really there. And it, we're starting to really get under the covers of what development looks like in it. Now, have we looked at how we will replace some of our very strong investments that we've done previously? I think that will come in time and with the right use cases. We're starting to see elements of it. I think you see a lot of discussion around trade and the exchange of a very document-intensive environment, and we're staying very close to that. RBC itself, we've run a number of proof of concepts. We continue to stay well engaged with the market and we do that investment and help to drive some of the standardization and those use cases that are needed. Lisa, thank you so much for your views. Much appreciated. Oh, thank you very much. It's been great. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To listen to more content from the podcast, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. Check us out on Instagram, Global Digital Banker, or on Twitter at GDB Podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.